Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt's as the company who makes those rad all-over print button-downs with just about every franchise that you love. They, of course, have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. And not just button-downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. Hello there and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm Adam Russell. I'm Ryan Key. Hey everyone, I'm in London. My name's Nick and I am still a host of this podcast even though I haven't been here in weeks. You sound like you're from London. Did you mean to say you're in jolly old England? <laughs> Did I not say that? I thought that's what I said. <laughs> Maybe it was your accent. I'm still here. I stayed here a couple of days after celebration, a couple of days after Ryan... But I actually leave. I head back to New York tomorrow. I'm still not going home. Home. You catching a cricket game? <laughs> I'm going to my second show. Actually, I'm really making this a trip. I'm seeing some bands play. Third, if you count Ash at the oh, at yeah. the cantina on Sunday. Yeah, just a nice little quick ninety minute set. <laughs> yeah, we were my, my friend Josh and I were leaving. And we were just speaking on on how we're just not that young anymore. You know, we were like <laughs> yeah. we were like. Leaving here and not being where it sounds like that is just better than being there yeah. where it sounds like that. Ba- the band was great. Yeah. The band was great. They were killing it, but it was just so loud, and we were just so like, "What are we? What are we doing here?" And I, I also just didn't really pay enough attention to know that a live band was playing for an entire set. So I, I'm I'm a musician who hates live music. Like surprise, <laughs> surprise live music. Obviously, I love live music. I go to shows all the time. But surprise live music is like one of the most annoying things in the world. So I thought we were going to a Star Wars party and we went to a show. We went to a concert yeah. and said, <laughs> yeah. and then I had to leave for the airport three hours later or something like that. And that was really fun. Dude, when we were in Bangkok, uh, you know, a week and a half ago or whatever, we ate at this amazing, amazing restaurant in the hotel. And because they knew that we were there as a band, you know, playing the show, whatever. They sat us in like the prime seats in this like legit five-star restaurant, but it was two and a half feet from a dude with a keyboard and a dude playing a guitar <laughs> and singing. And they were incredible, like incredible, just shredding. But I was like, I didn't want a surprise concert. I yeah. mean, you guys are great, but I just want to eat this meal. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. So I feel you on that. And I don't even really like going to shows period anymore. So I'm that guy. Um, lots to talk about speaking of trips, because like you guys are talking about, you were at celebration and lots of big things happened. You posted about some of it, but I feel like we should do maybe a little recap. Just needs its own, it needs its own episode almost. It was yeah. so eventful. So maybe we'll do a bonus thing. Maybe we'll just do just like a patrons only thing. We'll see how that shakes out. Speaking of, if you listener want a completely ad free video version of the podcast, we have that on Patreon, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod. And if you don't want that and you just want to just be cool, just uh, hit the subscribe button or follow or whatever it is on your podcatcher of choice. We appreciate it. And it helps. All right. Lots of Mando to talk about. So let's get into stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? Here we are. The Mandalorian Chapter 23, The Spies, debuted today, April 12th, 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus description, coming in short again, survivors come out of hiding. Once again. Thanks, Greg. (laughs) A clincher from Greg. (laughs) Uh, Directed by Rick Famuyiwa, executive producer. Man. The dude, bringing it. Bringing it. Written by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni, again. Oh, my friend, Dave? 52-minute runtime. Yeah, yeah, close personal friend, Dave Filoni. Yeah, Yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, Airport Lounge Associate. See Instagram at William Ryan Key. Yeah. You'll know what I'm yeah. talking about. Let's get that guy to log in and acknowledge your post soon. 
I'm just never going to post anything again. That's my last Instagram post ever. (laughs) (laughs) Guest starring this week, the return, first time this season, Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, Xander Berkeley as Gilad Pelion. This is a character who's been around, first time on screen as far as I can tell. And then Brian Gleason, more on this later, as Brendel Hux, a name that many of you may know. Charles Baker as the Survivor Scout, one of the Mandalorian survivors. He was Skinny Pete in Breaking Bad. So stoked for him, man. Pretty cool. <laughs> that is so cool. He looked great. He really did. All those dudes looked amazing. Yeah, that the whole disheveled crew of Mandos was just badass. Wait, wait till we see them at the next con. I mean, dude, mm-hmm. based yeah. on the costume turnout at, at Celebration, it just I feel like every con is going to level up. There's just so much new sick stuff. Yep. <laughs> And Charles Parnell as the Survivor Captain. I know him most recently, and Ryan, you feel the same way, I'm sure, from Top Gun Maverick. Love that dude. He just has an amazing face. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. His, his mannerisms, he's just so good. It brings a lot to the screen with what yeah. he's able to do with his, his expressions. And it's just, yeah. He just like commands respect. Features. He just has really cool, he has cool features like on his face. Yeah. Like it's just... Yeah. He was also in Kindred and Transformers Age of Extinction. Can't say that I've seen either. Kindred's what I saw him in most recently. Is uh, that a show or a like film? The main, yeah, a show on uh, FX. It's pretty cool. First impressions. What do you guys think? Ryan. Oh, come on, man. I, the, the, the release <laughs> that this episode was. Uh, I mean, I, my wife came in and sat down on the couch and I just said out, I mean, I said, Babe, this is just, we're like mid full on battle scene in the, in the bunker, you know, the, the air quotes, first order bunker on, Mm -hmm. on, um, Mandalore. And she says, she's sitting there and I'm like, this is just straight up star Wars porn. (laughs) I mean, it was dude, the tie interceptors hanging from and like, like bats dude hanging like bats and and the the music the shots of them with like like the red light hitting the glass on the front which very much to me alluded to the the first order tie fighters that have all those red accents on them mm-hmm. thought that was sick and yeah i don't want to give away i love you i know I, but so i got mm-hmm. i need to shut up uh, over overall very impressed with this episode i mean rick just this was made for him you know this is definitely like that the combat and the edginess of this episode i think it's his for the taking and he nailed it loved the practical sailing barge actually needs wind yeah uh, on mandalore it's very uh very water very water world. very water world yes yeah for sure <laughs> um i i thought that was such a cool meets mad max in a way you know yeah. i thought i thought that was such a cool touch um i feel like a lot of times you know you just write it off to chalk it up to star Wars. Like how do they still have that? Or how do they, how did that last for that long? Or where did they find that? You know, I was, I know I was watching Obi-Wan Kenobi all the way through on my flight home from London on Monday. First time I've rewatched the whole, th- I've watched the last episode probably three times, but it's the first time I've watched the whole thing. If you're out there and you have any interest in doing that run, don't walk. It is mm-hmm. so much better the second time. That's all I can say. I mean, it was, I don't know how else to say it. Just so much better. And I loved it the first time. But either way, um, I texted the group something about, did they say how Ben got his lightsaber back after being dragged through flaming coals and then just like scooped up and run away by the loader droid? And the only answer in any chat was, that's just, it's Star Wars. Yeah. You know, because no, they didn't. But yeah, I I, I thought that all the, all the stuff on Mandalore... Um, just, just I love, I love when Star Wars is gritty. You guys know that. And this was a, this was a grimy episode. I loved it. Gotta love when Star Wars is dirty. Mm-hmm. Nick, how about you? So I did have the opportunity, which I passed on, to see this episode early with a bunch of people at Celebration because um, the Lucasfilm panel was on Friday, and if you were in either the main room or any of the runoff rooms and you had a red bracelet, you were able to see that episode. So I passed on it just figuring I, I don't need necessarily need to see the episode early. But everyone who went and saw it that night, people who I respect, Brooke McDonald, uh, the Star Wars Explained folks, all said it was you know quite possibly the best episode of the entire series. 
Um, and now that I've seen it, I mean, it's, it's a top fiver. I mean, seeing Luke Skywalker ever is always going to be my number one, you know, my number one moment, but, but yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts with watching it was that it was amazing. And I wish the entire season was like this. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's it. I just thought it was in, absolutely incredible. And I think there's a lot of, I think there's some big moments in this season that could have used a little bit more buildup. And a lot of them just so happened to like come to fruition in this episode, but 10 out of 10 episodes. It's great. I'm hoping, you know, a lot of series, not just star Wars, kind of the penultimate uh, episode is the better one. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case here. I'm hoping next week is just as amazing as this one. And I think if they gave Rick Famuyiwa, like the direct, he's directing next week too. Like hopefully it's a culmination and not like an aftermath ish kind of episode. Cause that's what a lot of series do these days is the big one is the one before the finale. And then you yeah. kind of see the aftermath in the last one. I'm hoping uh, maybe it's, a, maybe it'll be a little bit of both. So we'll see. Do you think that um, obviously Disney has uh, located all, all of the money that was ever uh, put into circulation. We know that. However, yes, it is. A, it is a series. It's not a feature film. This episode was big, freaking budget. You know, I mean, this was as big as it gets, right? For the, these these battle scenes, combat scenes. I mean, it was, it was full on. You know, like rise of rise of Skywalker finale like size almost minus the ships. You know, I mean, it was wild. Do you think that? Because I, I tend to agree with you, Nick. I, I would have been cool if um, we can talk all day about what the season should have been. But you know, say they had spread that out, the the retaking of Mandalore and stuff over more episodes, and they were more battle. What do you think? There's anything to be said where like they kind of had to hold back because they knew they were going to have to spend, you know, bet the farm on this episode. Yeah, uh, be. being that it's it's it is TV and not feature film. That's probably being spoken from a place of inexperience yeah. where I actually don't know how much they're spending on these versus how much they sp- if there still is a discrepancy between the movies and the shows or if now they're kind of saying, well, the shows are the, are the movies now, so we just spend the same you know, half a billion dollars on TV shows too. I don't know. But um, yeah. so I, I, just feel, I, I was watching it consciously thinking this is so expensive. Mm-hmm. I had that thought multiple times. I have two thoughts. One... I wonder how expensive it really was because this seemed like a 90%, God, 90, 95% volume shoot. Because they were in that bunker. Everything was dark. When, when, Everything was darker. Yeah. You know? So yeah. until they need broad daylight, they they tend to try, to try to stay in the volume, it seems like. Yeah. That said, it's not like the stuff they put on the volume is free to make. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. For they sure. They got a ton of artists in there rendering all of that. But since a lot of it's, you know, not in sharp, direct focus, it varies. So um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it wasn't as expensive as it looks. And if that's the case, that's exciting. Yeah, maybe not. We can get that for, for cheaper. Yeah. And then I, I know for sure that, like, the, the allocation of funds or, like, the distribution of it is for sure a conversation. I mean, they, they talked about that even in the Clone Wars uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, that those series that we covered when we were covering Clone Wars – you only have like so much server time, like in the case of something like an animation series back in the day, especially like, okay, so what do we have time to render? What are the render costs? What are, what are like the man hours going to cost us? What, what are the big stories? Where can we cut costs and distribute the money? So that's for sure a thing. So I think you're both right. And there's still a lot of mystery, but I did mean a dude who works at Lucasfilm that maybe you could give us some insight. Maybe I'll ask him. Uh, Nick, you saw Zach in the, in the chat made a good point that as whether or not, you know, this is the penultimate or not, the ship battle is happening next week. Oh yeah. yeah. That's going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. All right. Let's, um, let's see. Well, let me just, I'll, I'll give my response. Same feelings as you guys. The thing that stood out to me most sort of like from the 30,000 foot view is that this episode gave us like peak Star Wars peak Mandalorian in all of the categories, like maximum complete, like record setting, cute overload Grogu moments, like the best Grogu moments, period, as far as I'm concerned, the best Mandalorian stuff, amazing quotable quotes, you know, like some of the best monologues and exchanges, exposition in the form of like uh, meaningful ways, you know, if like two, two groups of people who don't really 
know much about each other or have disagreements about each other or misgivings, uh, misunderstandings about each other, sit down and tell their stories. That's a cool way to kind of reveal stuff like Bo-Katan talking about how the, how she lost the dark saber and all these things that we'll get to later. It just like, it just crushed on all levels and the, the battles were so good. We've got like significant losses, like heart wrenching stuff, characters that I, I didn't know I would feel that emotional about. So it's yeah. Same for me. 10 out of 10. This'll, uh, mm-hmm. this'll do, <laughs> this'll do it for me. Also. And lastly, we're like, we're connecting the dots. We're gluing it together. We're bridging the gap between, you know, all the way back to the prequels and the sequel trilogy and, you know, insert internet speak, uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, lowercase. They're not counting the sequels. Sorry, bro. <laughs> the sequels are very much canon and it's staying that way. Shout out Daisy. All right, let's take a break and then get into the synopsis. We open on Coruscant with supposed former, air quotes, real hard air quotes, Imperial, supposedly turned amnesty officer, but actually, we now know officially, as suspected, Imperial operative Elia Kane sneaking into an alley to take a hollow call via an Imperial probe droid. How sick was that? With, you guessed it, Moff Gideon. Uh, they talk about a lot of stuff. We don't need to go into the details. Basically, um, she's been informing him. She lets him know what's going on, who's communicating. She informs his plan. We'll get to it later. Uh, cut to Moff Gideon in some kind of James Bond villain cave lair kind of thing. It, it was giving like a nighttime at Dr. Evil's lair, Austin Powers. Uh, where he walks through a corridor of super commando looking ass troopers and cloning tanks, all this like very unnecessary stuff. Like, why would you walk through that? Why would that be there? But it looks awesome and we're stoked to see it into a meeting room for a hollow meeting with a group of Imperial officers. This is the shadow council. More on that later. They talk about rebuilding the empire. They kind of debate about um, how to allocate funds. What, what threats are bigger, you know, they talk about the return of Thrawn. When is he coming back? Uh, the Mandalorians are a threat. What, the Mandalorians? What the hell? Like, there's this, all this debate because they're picking up the pieces of the Empire. This is the seed. This is the beginning of the return of the Empire in the form of the First Order. It was really interesting. Oh, first of all, they did show this, the opening, the full opening, like, Shadow can- Council at the at the panel. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, they showed that entire scene, so we all knew the episode was going to be insane. Um, And then another thing that I really liked about that conversation was the idea that they can't really organize yet because they'll look like a threat. So they want to stay like separate warlords. I thought that was really smart. Yeah. So lots of Thrawn talk, which was just so sick to hear. It's stuff that we've all been like really, really anticipating and wondering when the hell is it going to happen. I wonder what like the, the casual general public type viewer mm. is thinking there, you know? Yeah, they have to be like, who is that? Because they just said it like you're supposed to know who he is. Yeah. I don't know. How many casuals are still fully invested in keeping the ratings up for this show? You know what I mean? It's a good question. I think there are enough non-casuals that it's ob- obviously it's surprising, but there there are that are that make this show just huge. I mean, yeah. People like my sister, brother-in-law, who are fans, but they don't know this deep stuff. They're, they're still fully on board. I don't know. It'd be interesting to find out if there's any actual, like, legit data on that. Well, I think they did a good job. I know I need to move on, but I think they did a good job of leaving the space, the hole open in the council. So, like, yeah. the narrative there, you don't have to know who Ad, who Grand Admiral Thrawn or even pick up that they said a name, really. Yeah. They, they really leaned into, like, someone's supposed to be here and he's never here. So you get the big bad. Right, right. right. If you're a casual viewer, you're like, oh, that's the boss that you got to beat at the end of the level. Yeah, kind of the same way they referred to the Emperor in A New Hope and um, and The Empire Strikes Back. You know what I mean? We don't really see him until uh, Jedi, so not weird, I guess. Back on Navarro, Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, Axe Woves, and Koska Reeves, and the rest of the Mandalorian fleet return from Plezier 15 to meet the Armorer's Covert. It's the most awkward meeting of all time, but the Armorer says, screw it, let's eat. Mando goes to meet Grief Karga. Grief brings out a gift. IG-11, now known as IG-12, rebuilt without his memory circuits. So the Anzellans basically turned him into like a mech. 
weird that Gro Gro can drive. <laughs> so good. It's the best. Mendo says he's too young. Grief puts him in there anyway. Anyway, says, well, let's see if he fits. Grogu loves it and can't stop, won't stop using the yes and no <laughs> buttons. And it's the best thing I've ever seen. Unreal. So good. They, uh, they go walking around town. Grogu raises hell. He can't stop just picking up stuff. Like, you know, imagine any little kid who all of a sudden has an adult-sized robot. It's like... Was that um, Mantel mix that he was eating? Or that's probably a den thing. Maybe, yeah. I mean, that was definitely a, a Mailoran... Mm-hmm. fruit you know shout out rebels because he first he picked up that box of like caramel corn looking stuff you yeah know? it's got to be yeah or some version of that for sure it this scene is just like the best it's the yes 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 <laughs> yes yes i like immediately called my wife and i was like you're gonna love this it's gonna this is gonna make your day <laughs> and it did it reminds me of uh, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the ali episode on science when do you remember this when he's got actual no. scientists there and he's interviewing them and he's like do you think a computer could calculate 9999999999 multiply by 9999999 and the guy's like yes yes he's like what about a 10 10 10 10 10 10 10 10 you you let me finish 10 10 10 10 no, 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 no. Yeah, it's it's my favorite thing. Um, so later that night, uh, Bo-Katan calls a meeting with the Mandalorians. She lays out the plan to take back Mandalore. They take the fleet to Mandalore, park it in orbit, take a landing party to the surface to find the Great Forge. That's the plan. Because it's sketchy there, right? So when they get to Mandalore, they find a group of Mandalorian survivors sailing this sick land barge skiff thing that we talked about. Is it really cold there? Is that the idea that they're like, it's ice and they're skidding on it? Or is it just because it's glass? Remember the the piece of green crystal yeah, glass yeah. That, that had the, yeah. the Mandalorian etching in it or whatever? I wonder if that if it's sort of like the planet has been like... It's just that slick because it's... Crystallized yeah. like that, yeah. Or something. That's pretty sick. So the survivors recognize Bo-Katan right away from a distance. They recognize her voice. They thank her for returning. They pledge their allegiance to her. You know, like, we, we always knew you would return kind of thing. The captain is, like we mentioned before, Charles Parnell from Top Gun. Bo-Katan and Hermando sit down with the survivors. They share stories. This is what I was talking about earlier. Here we finally learn what happened to the Darksaber and the origin of the Armorer's faction. Captain says that the Great Purge was the Empire punishing them because they wouldn't surrender. And Bo-Katan says no. That's not true. She says they did surrender. She surrendered Mandalore to the Empire. She negotiated a ceasefire, supposedly, with Moff Gideon and the ISB after the Night of a Thousand Tears, who then promised to spare all remaining Mandalorian cities and lives in exchange for disarmament. And disarmament, in this case, also means handing over the Darksaber. So that's how Moff Gideon came to possess it, how she lost it. And that's how we found her at the beginning. Don't you think that's, wouldn't you like to have seen that? Even if it's like 90 second flashback, like it's such like an exposition point. Like that's one of my, like, yeah, like they could have shot it as a flashback yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. There's just so many things we've all been wondering that are getting like exposition dumped this season. I mean, they could still. Yeah, I feel like the, that that would have been a very on-brand Star Wars moment for while she was telling that story to like show the Night of a Thousand Tears happening, to show you know coming kind of closer to her face as she's telling the story and flashing back to these different yeah. uh, events, especially as we just touched on for the casual viewer. Mm-hmm. They do have a lot to tell though here, so yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it's tough to really balance that and figure out what to put on screen and what not to. Well, they already have footage of the Night of a Thousand Tears, don't they? Yeah, like the bombing Terminator style. Yeah. yeah. The armorer then says her people survived by hiding on the moon of Concordia. One of the other dudes asks if they're Death Watch then, and she says, no, Death Watch no longer exists. It's split into many warring factions. So they are the children of the Watch, like we've known for a long time, but they are not Death Watch. So, you know, that's essentially explained, explained well enough. Then there's a great quote. There's a, a, a really, really great exchange here. Mandalore has always been too powerful for any enemy to defeat. It is always our own division that destroys us. And that's such like just an amazing meta commentary on human beings, you know? 
I love what they're doing on that level. A lot of the, the Mandalorian story, I think, is just a reflection of humanity, period. And I love that they're, in this way, saying it point blank. But I feel like it needs to be said because a lot of people just, you know, get caught up in cool-looking warriors with helmets and sweet blasters and shit, you know? It's easy to miss the message. Later, away from the group, this is, you know, the following scene, but it's meant to take place who knows how long after. Din and Bo are kind of away from the group, you know, end of the boat. They have uh, this great conversation. Din kind of comes forward and says, like, look, I misunderstood who you were, who all of the people outside of our faction were, essentially. He says he was taught from childhood that Bo-Katan had forsaken the way, that she was selfish and uncaring. Bo turns around and says, You were right. I was selfish. And this is what it wrought. Din kind of tried to reassure her, says, We'll rebuild it. Isn't that our history? For thousands of years, we have been on the verge of extinction. And for thousands of years, we have survived. Bo doesn't feel confident. She doesn't feel like she can lead or unify anyone. All she has is a darksaber, but that doesn't seem to mean anything anymore. Din has this great quote about honor, loyalty, character, over everything is what he's saying. That's what matters to him over station, over bloodline, over the darksaber. And he closes with this amazing line that I feel like people will be quoting all day long. This is going to be like the caption in cosplays and shit. Like every Mandalorian cosplay photo on Instagram is going to be throwing this in there. These are the reasons I serve you, Lady Kreese. Your song is not yet written. I will serve you until it is. Heavy. So good, dude. Just got goosebumps. So the next day, the survivors take them to the side of the forge. Meanwhile, along the way, Axe Wolves and Paz Vizsla get into a fight. Grogu breaks it up. With the no button. With the, Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, it's so good. I, I, I teared up. There's a good line there, too. I, I think Bo says, you taught him well or mm-hmm. something. And Din is like, I didn't teach yeah. him that. He didn't learn mm-hmm. that from me. That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. So they get to the site of the Great Forge. And, of course, there's a giant monster that erupts out of the ground, destroys the ship. You know, like very Favreau Star Wars again. Not a mythosaur. Not a mythosaur. Looking a little bit like a Zillow beast, but with like a Tyrannosaurus mouth. I haven't freeze-framed it yet, but I don't know. It's interesting. They have to run off, take shelter in a cave. They go down below the surface there. They find the remnants of the Great Forge. And then a garrison of jetpack troopers show up. Battle ensues. I'm sure this is in the den, maybe. I, don't, I didn't look that far down, but they've got those First Order eye holes or whatever you call like their helmets the eyes on their helmets are pre-first order big time it's a pretty sick mashup of the original like super commando trooper and the first order stuff i I got like dune sardaukar vibes too oh yeah so good zach in the chat says exactly what i thought and the meme popped right (laughs) in my head when it happened they fly now (laughs) they fly now they fly now yeah uh where you been poe they've been flying dog so battle ensues Mandos seem to be winning the fight. Brutal. It's, an, it's a really good fight, too, Brutal. the way it's kind of choreographed. Like, it's it's blasters from a distance, and then it closes in, then it's hand-to-hand, and then it's like— I mean, know, there's the, just straight execution. I, I know yeah. we saw Crosshair do that kind, kind of thing, maybe, but there are multiple shots in this fight sequence where it's like, dude's already down, and then just— Point blank. 10 blaster bolts to the neck, you know, like shot up up underneath the mask blaster bolt, like to the head. It was a serious murder death kill for Star Wars. I I think the most we've ever seen in in one place, you know, they were stabbing them and like slicing the backs of their legs and stuff like Viking fight style. It was. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I just remember being thinking consciously like this is the most bloody kind of <laughs> carnage we've ever seen in Star Wars. Yeah, which as it should be, this is the first time we've seen live action all these Mandalorians fighting all these stormtroopers. You know what I mean? We've early yeah. season one, right? We saw a, a lot of Mandos fighting together, but but not like in the same way. Not not where something where the stakes were like this and where it was like they they seemed like they could lose. You know, it was oh yeah, it was crazy. I loved it. Stacy, the second before you said murder, death, kill was like, said in the chat, Ryan, it's murder, death, kill. <laughs> you know me well. <laughs> yeah. 
You know where I get that from uh, Demolition Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they seem to be winning. They push them deep into the caves until they get in an area they've never seen before. And they're like, what is this place? Very familiar looking, though. Like, as this started to happen, I was like, wait a minute. They did- this doesn't look like Mandalore. Because you start to see, like, the Imperial doorways, you know, with those uh, mm-hmm. kind of, like, cylindrical sort of lights. Tie fighters everywhere. Yeah, I, I, they just came down that hallway. Yeah, and I and I knew I was like, oh, this is there's the here comes Gideon. Like there's an there's an imperial facility down here, right away. Yeah, so th- this is the layer that he was in the you know the James Bond layer from the beginning of the episode. Blast doors close on both sides of them, separating Din from the rest, trapping the rest. That's a trap. Moff Gideon shows up. By shows up, I mean descends with jetpack in black. Beskar armor and a horned Mandalorian helmet. Like, bro. That cosplay next next celebration yes. is gonna be sick. Yes. He gives us sick, like, you know, in again, traditional like Bond villain style. This here's my plan and here's how it's gonna go down <laughs> monologue. Mandalore will live on in me, he says. Thanks to your planet's rich resources, I've created the next generation dark trooper suit. So the dark troopers that were droids are, are now phased out and replaced by these troopers forged from Beskar alloy, he says. Well, not, not by these troopers. He himself is the dark trooper mm-hmm. is what he's getting at, right? Because he says the, 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 the best part about it, the main difference is I'm in the suit, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's just him. It's, it's like, uh, you know, what does the dude play in Iron Man 1? What is that thing called? You know, uh, that suit. It's just like that, right? Am I wrong? Which what? Which guy? Iron Man One. You know the dude, Jeffrey Lebowski. Oh, ah, uh, yeah. What is that? Iron Dickhead, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, Iron Boner. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. He's like the the best difference. Tony is that I'm in it or whatever. Good stuff. Anyway, um, he says every society has something to offer: the cloners, the Jedi, even the Mandalorians. So here he is tying it all together. Mm-hmm. By aggregating the best of each, I will create an army that will bring order to the galaxy. Keyword. Keyword. He gives the order to deploy the ties. He wants to go take out the fleet. They capture and take Din away. I forgot. I, I like forgot yeah, that. Dude, crazy. Now that you're, you just said that and, that and then that whole battle ensues like, oh yeah, Din's taken away before it even starts. Dude, it's heavy. So, and then it's basically like, hey, surrender. Paz Vizsla looks at Bo and just with a nod says, this is the way turns his gun on the door, just starts firing before it even opens. She turns around, starts to cut a hole in the opposite door for an escape with the Darksaber. Moff Gideon says, open the door, kill them. He flies off. Battle ensues. And basically, Paz Vizsla just, you know, gives suppressing fire for the rest of them to escape out the back. Until his minigun, like, basically melts in his hands because it's so hot and overheats. And she's like, come on, come on. And he's like, no, there's not enough time. Save yourself. This is the way. It's so sick. I have goosebumps. So he's out there, last one standing, taking on a ton of troopers, kills them all. And like the gun (laughs) overheats, he throws the gun at the one dude and he's just like hand to hand, knocking him off the cliff. It's just so sick. You think he's one. And then three Praetorian guards show up. As alluded to earlier in the episode, we didn't mention Moff Gideon giving the whole list of what he needs. He's like, I need bombers. I need interceptors. I need Praetorian guards. Give me this stuff. So here they are, three of them. And we're talking about like lobster troopers, the, the, the sequel dudes that were the, the full Snoke throne room style Praetorian guards. And they take him on, take him down, stab him with those weird laser weapons. He's dead. Rest in peace, Paz Vizsla. Roll the credits. Brutal. All right, let's do the Den of Antiquities. Over a thousand generations. It is the dark saber. Oh gosh. It's a Kalikori. A Sith wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. Nick, we got some good stuff. Oh yeah, we do. What's going on this week? So the Shadow Council is the group in the hollow meeting with Moff Gideon that was formed in 5 ABY and it first gets mentioned in the Aftermath trilogy of books which takes place after Return of the Jedi, obviously. Um, here's where it gets interesting. Captain Gilad Pelion, one of the officers in the Shadow Council, first appeared in Legends 
in the novel Heir to the Empire. And his new canon debut was in the Rebels finale, the two fa- final episodes of Rebels alongside Thrawn. He kind of looks like Yaloran a little bit, but he, uh, yeah. Yeah, he obviously has connections to Thrawn. And then even cooler, if you ask me, Commandant Brendel Hux, who I first learned of, I want to say, was it in Bloodline or the new Shadows of the Sith book? One of those. He's also in the Shadow Council meeting. He is the father of General Armitage Hux from the sequel trilogy, the redhead little bratty dude. But it keeps getting cooler. The actor who plays... Brendel Hux in this episode is Brian Gleason and is the real life brother of Domhnall Gleason who played General Hux in the sequels. So in this show, Brendel Hux is playing his brother's dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. It, yeah. It almost sounded like Domhnall was was uh, doing voiceover yeah. for for Brian, you know, like his, yeah. the voice was like, took me in and out of it. Like it is him. It's not him. It is him. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, yeah. it was yeah. so similar. First time I watched it was like, Hux? Do you say Hux? Yeah, yeah it looks like Hux. It's not <laughs> Hux. I'm trying to piece it together. So he must be born at that point, but he's just a little, a young guy, uh, yeah, General Hux. But, uh, but yeah, pretty cool. Cool just to see Hux's father, but then also the real life familial little thingy they got going on there, which is pretty cool. We mentioned the Praetorian Guards, uh, pretty similar. Their masks were a little bit more Mando-ish in in, uh, this battle here. That was cool to just bring in Praetorian Guards in a a very badass way. One funny little thing that we got from patron uh, Logiwan Kenobi, Grief Karga gives Mando a gift bottle of some kind of uh, liquor and... uh, it came all the way from Coruscant, Karga says, and that prop is almost definitely a bottle of Michael Jordan's Sincoro brand tequila. <laughs> I never would have noticed that, but thank you, Logan Kenobi, for that. It's like 150 bucks, but it, I'm buying a bottle. Yeah. I'm making that prop. <laughs> I'm sure there's a reason for this. Gideon's helmet has horns, and the most apparent comparison for most people out there would be that the armorer's helmet has horns, but they're all kind of similar to something from the Clone Wars animated series, which is the helmets of the Mandalorian Super Commandos, often referred to as the Maldalorians, which, of course, are led by uh, Darth Maul and Gar Saxon. So I'm sure neither of those things, neither horned helmets that are currently in live action on Mandalorian, I'm sure that's not by mistake by any means. There's probably something to it. So we'll see. Yeah. And uh, just a little bit more uh, info on the Mandalorian Super Commandos. They're a faction of Mandalorians who served Maul after he claimed the Darksaber uh, by defeating Pre Vizsla. Dude. A lot of good stuff. They're, they're going so deep. They're going so deep. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier. That Super Commando armor design is definitely based on the original pre-Boba Fett, you know, 1978, I guess, design for for Boba, which was going to be called the Super Commando. They didn't have enough budget to do it, so they went with one Boba and pushed it off till later. Now, here it is. Like, I, they're not called that. I forgot what they call them specifically, but it's based on that. And Ryan, like you're saying, it's, it's got a lot of that first order kind of cleaner aesthetic, and they're, they're yeah. bridging the gap, and God, it looks so good. Let's discuss a few things before we get into the den. I don't want to go too deep on this. Maybe this is a post-show discussion because this, this is going to be some speculation with the patrons. So if you want to hear that slash see that patreon.com slash thank the maker pod top two tiers, get it. Okay. So obviously we're looking at the birth of the first order where yeah. the, the seeds are being planted. That's what that shadow council is all about. It's in the aftermath novels that were new canon novels that started in 2015. So this was all written along with the, uh, with, with the sequel stuff project necromancer. See, like, here's what they're doing. I love this. Like, people get so bummed and call it retconning, and I guess it is, but it's like, it's one of those words that doesn't need to be a bad word, because it- I don't understand just, why it makes people so mad. It's such a cool thing it, to do. Yeah. It's, it's such a cool thing to take someone's story when every it's fine and it's allowed for you to fill in gaps and space. Like, it, it's like storytelling It would be Tetris. one thing if it was like- if the writer, you know, if Lucas or the writers, or if there was this huge uprising of like, you have to stop doing this. It's my IP. And like, you, you don't, you, you don't get to tell the story a different way. It's like, that's not happening. They're 
No. They're weaving this incredible story using the source material. It's classic. It's like, I just don't. I mean, I know the term came from something, like if something seems to break continuity and then retroactively someone writes something mm -hmm. to fix it, that's mm -hmm. like the negative version of retconning. But to me... I don't, I don't think that's what's happening here. No, it's like they, they wrote stuff that had a lot of gaps between because a lot of time passed between these two eras of the stories. And then you just fill it in, just like Lucas and Filoni did with the Clone Wars, yep. just like Lucas himself did. I mean, Lucas himself did a ton of retconning. There was a ton of stuff in the original trilogy. Dude, we, we talk about, I know, we talk about that all the time, the, the big sequel gripe of them not having a plan, air quotes. Yeah. Like, dude, okay, so which plan are you referencing that, that Star Wars ever did have? <laughs> so stupid. I get it. Like a grand plan that somebody lays out from the very beginning is it's beautiful. It's poetic. That's what we all want. But that's just not the way it typically works. Unless you're adapting no. novels, it just doesn't. And it's okay. As long as you can do it well, who cares? Anyway, uh, backslash end rant. So Project Necromancer. Necromancy is defined in Merriam-Webster as conjuration of the spirits of the dead for purposes of magically revealing the future or influencing the course of events. Somehow. Ding, ding, ding. Palpatine returned. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, the definition kind of just says it. We can go deeper and speculate as to like, I don't know the details of it, but dude, that's what that is. There it is. I'm pumped. I'm so glad they're doing it. Lots of people are going to be mad. I'm going to get sucked into the comments and waste my life and don't do it. I've been doing it for days since they announced Daisy coming back. I've been deep and it sucks and I can't stop and I'm addicted to pain. I have so much to talk to you about Ugh. that. I have so much to say to you about that announcement and just all the things I've been thinking. Yeah. And, and everyone I talked to at Celebration and I voiced my, here's what I think. Everyone was like, there's no way that that's not 100% accurate your speculation that that has to be what is going to occur sick so i feel good about i feel good about where my head's at for the return of ray future's bright man lastly question the title mm -hmm. the spies yeah so one spy we know for sure yep is elia yep that's the only one in the episode though that sort of was clear to me there's a lot of talk in our patron discord about Axe Wolves being a shady-ass dude. Mm. What do you think? I don't like his vibe. Not a nice dude. Doesn't seem to uh, want anything but power and control. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was, in general, at the end of the episode, confused by the decision to call the episode The Spies. I mean, that's really all I've got. Yeah. I, th I think that's perfectly fine speculation, sure. But I don't think we have anything concrete to go on to back that up yet. And so it was like, this episode wasn't about people spying. So it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, they do it all for a reason, dude. So th there's a, there is a reason it was called The Spies, and it will be made clear to us at some point. But it certainly wasn't an espionage episode, right? And that's kind of what I'm saying. Stacy also pointed out Costca Reeves had a pretty like sketchy, questionable look on her face. And there were some looks exchanged at that table on the ship. Mm-hmm. That, I don't know, I want to go back and, and look at it again. I think those two are, I don't, I don't think they're the good guys. What about the Mandalorians on the skiff? We can take you there. They knew it was there. Oh, the survivors? Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, edit, edit coming in hot. Sorry, we just went deep into spoiler territory, so I'm cutting this. That's going to the end. That's for patrons. So if you want to hear that, we just really went down the rabbit hole and had some fun. So. But I think I, 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 I don't think there's any way we're wrong. I, honestly, I, I, there's no way. It's pretty good. There's, there's no way that that's not it. That's it. We just TTM hive mind it and it, feel, yeah. it feels good. That's it. Thanks, patrons. All right. Let's take a final break. And do I love you? I know. Hey, everyone. We want to take a moment to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast, Roosevelt's. You may know Roosevelt as the company who makes those rad all over print button downs with just about every franchise that you love. They of course have Star Wars, because this is a Star Wars podcast, but they also have Harry Potter, Disney, Pixar, Marvel, NASA, WWE, The Office, Nickelodeon, Rick and Morty, Friends, all kinds of other stuff, including new lines from Yellowstone and The Godfather. 
And not just button downs, but t-shirts, they do shorts, jackets, hoodies, koozies, flannels, so many different kinds of items, so many dope designs. So if you're interested in picking something up for the first time, go to rsvlts.com and use promo code THANKTHEMAKER with no spaces to get 20% off your first purchase. Once again, that's rsvlts.com. Use promo code THANKTHEMAKER to get 20% off of your first purchase. All right, favorite scenes, favorite quotes, favorite moments, etc. Ryan, can you tell us what the patrons love? All right, I'm going to start with Meehan Solo uh, in the Jedi Jedi channels of our Discord channel. You get access to Discord if you're a patron too, and there is a lot of fun discussion and hanging and sharing of all things Star Wars there. So come hang. Favorite scene, favorite quote, the whole interaction between Bo and Mando. The reason I follow follow you, OMG, it's so good. I still can't get over that Grogu's Mando suit is an IG12. Like, what such an amazing upgrade. And to see that we've known this character literally since episode one, live on, is amazing. I guess saying to see IG-11 live on is amazing, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but all caps, but like the last 20 minutes of the episode, seeing Gideon and Mando armor, seeing Imperil, Imperil Mando, what Imperil Mando sin love action with updated armor, seeing all this shit go down right before the finale. I'm just in awe at Star Wars. Absolutely in awe. Typo translation, please. <clears throat> yeah, not really sure where we're going with that. Yeah. But. We get the vibe either way. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Jedi Master Nicole Rourke for our next one. Um, I was one of the extremely lucky ones that were able to see the early screening at Celebration. I've been so excited to finally discuss it. Pretty sure Nick and I ran into Nicole at Celebration. Very cool. Uh, favorite moments. The conversations between Din and Bo, Grogu's new IG armor, uh, and separating the two clans from fighting. Seeing Moff Gideon's armor, especially the spiked helmet. There it is. And of course, Paz tragically sacrificing himself. They've been building up Paz's character this season, and I'm so sad that he's gone. Bad baby, no squeezy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with, let's do two more here. Let's go with uh, the blue guy, 808. I don't think we've ever uh, heard from the blue guy before, so welcome. Uh, favorite scene, Shadow Council scene and the Thrawn name drop. I was really hoping he'd show himself and shut down the naysayers, LOL. I agree uh, that I was thinking, man, I want him to show up, want him to show up. But then I had a conscious thought while watching the show. I don't want the first time I see him to be in a hollow. No. I want the real thing. Yeah. Um, favorite quote, Grogu mashing that yes button. You could tell Mando was at his wits end, LOL. I also loved everyone like staring at him in the street when he walked by. All the extras <laughs> yeah. were like, what? He didn't care. Um, okay. Final uh, favorite scene and quote from uh, the, the patrons this week. Nate, Nato Potato. Favorite scene. Pause, taking one for the team. Regardless of what's going on between the clans, he fights for Mandalore. Favorite quote, every time IG-12 Rogu says yes, no, and with gumption. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. Killer. How about you, William Ranke? Uh I first thought I was going to say uh, Gideon showing up in the best car, the black best car armor, because you know me well, all black, everything. I'll just, you know. Like, if there's anything left on my car that shows any silver on it, I, I'm going to vinyl wrap it it's, or, or find a way to swap it out with a black part. So, like, uh, I was pumped to see that. But I have to agree uh, with Nato Potato here. Paz Vizsla going down, man, that was just epic. It was epic. It was, it was sad. It was heartbreaking. It was incredibly shot. I thought, you know, um, you might know, Adam, the, whoever the actor is that's in that suit. It's a, that's a big dude. I mean, as a big dude, um, I apologize to said dude for not having your name on. I should, I should not have a podcast where I talk about things that I don't know about. Um, but I got to say, I was watching the combat and I have, you know, my mind is fresh off of star Wars celebration where I've seen all of these people, hundreds of people struggling to exist all day in their armor. I mean, just like, can't see where they're going. You know, they've got like, like pinch, like skin blisters and pinches and stuff from where their forearms and their knees and their calf muscles get squeezed in the in the shin guards and the and the and the gauntlets and stuff. And I, I mean, it, it's a thing at celebration. You you just see people in pain, literal pain, <laughs> just to sacrifice the body and show off their skills as a cosplayer. Uh, most impressive. But um, uh, you know, there's this one shot in this fight scene where uh, he's got one of those troopers down. He, he kind of like 
like WWE neck slams him to the ground and he's down on one knee all the way to the ground. And I'll tell you from being at Celebration and doing a couple photo shoots with people and stuff, once you sit down, that you're done. That's it. You can't, you're, <laughs> yeah. you can't, you're standing up or you're taking your armor off or someone has to give you a hand and pull you back up for the most part. And rewatch that scene. This dude is down on his knee and I mean, he just springs back up and 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 engages in you know to fight the next trooper and there you can see I, I think I, I watched this the fight sequence twice the whole like him you know I'll I'll cover the rear from there to the end I watched that twice and you can see his body mechanics sort of waver a little bit when he goes to stand up and you know the actor was just in the zone like adrenaline pumping mm-hmm. memorized his fight sequence and all the choreography they have to do I mean that's an intense thing as th- those of you that. You know, follow the show. We talk sometimes about lightsaber choreography and fight choreography and stuff. And it's one of the most intense things in filmmaking. And so he's got all that on his mind, but he's got, he's, he's a, he's a big dude and he's got who, however many pounds of, of armor on him. And the armor is made out of uh, it's 3d printed plastic. So it's not, you know, hundreds of pounds of metal, but it's still a lot of added weight and it makes your, uh, your body mechanics very awkward and uncomfortable and I just, so this is a long-winded way of just saying, uh, you know, please find me uh, this this man's name so I can give him true love. But uh, Tate Fletcher. Just, what is it? Tate Fletcher. Tate Fletcher. This is a really long-winded way of me just giving mad props to Tate Fletcher for that scene. Because, uh, as I said, I just came, I'm off the back of watching a lot of people very uncomfortably navigate Mandalorian armor for three days straight. And... Uh, yeah, it was really impressive to watch. And then just to go back to the beginning of why it was my favorite, I just felt like it was very um, uh, a very emotional fight. Um, and I think when you can put that kind of emotion into a fight sequence, uh, you know, i.e. Vader, Luke at the end, in, in the throne room in Jedi, fights where it's not just John Wick fights, you know, which are awesome and sick to watch, but the kind where there's so much on the line in a character that you you love and are so stoked to to see in live action to die in front of your eyes and in such a brutal way. I mean, again, I referenced this earlier in the, in the episode here. Um, there was some kind of like Viking. I think there's a lot of Viking stuff with the Mandalorians. That's a huge, I mean, you know, your weapons are part of your religion. I mean, that's, that's almost straight Norse mythology, right? Like Thor's hammer. I mean, it's, you know, Vikings wore the hammers, necklaces around their necks. I mean, it was, you know, their warrior religion. That's what it is. So, you don't you don't get into Valhalla unless you you die a warrior's death, and someone has to put a sword in your hand before you're actually dead, or you don't get to cross into Valhalla. I mean, it's sick, yeah. and I think a lot of that lore is here present in in Mand- Mandalorian lore. But like the, these fights had like like the kind of stuff you see in like Braveheart and in Vikings, where they were like mm-hmm. cutting the backs of their legs and stuff so they would collapse and fall down, you know. And so when when he died and those those guards were one of them had a sword in his, in his gut that they were like slowly driving in and he was grunting with every push. And then one of them, I think cuts, uh, Oh yeah. Shoves the kind of like staff with the curvy blade on the end into his leg. So he goes down and he can't stand up. And then the last dude goes for the kill strike where you go on the left side of someone's body and you run a sword into their, you know, their upper shoulder straight down through their heart and kill them. I mean, Ugh. bro, it was, yeah, it, it was like, uh, I watch a lot of Viking stuff. You know, I watched Vikings, the show. I watched the last kingdom. Um, I love that. I love that stuff. And, and it was, it felt like a star Wars version of so many murders and deaths and executions I've seen in those shows. It was awesome. All right, Nick, how about you? Absolutely. My favorite part. I always go for what physically gets an emotion or something out of me and absolutely Grogu with his yes, no, yes, no buttons is the best (laughs) thing in the world. And I can't wait for all the memes and everything that's going to pop up. I mean, what, what, a what's something in this series that's like taken us as surprise as Grogu. Now, uh, his vehicle is IG 11 now IG 12 and he gets to say yes and no. It's amazing. I wish Mike was here. Who's that? <laughs> there are two makers who have done like amazing puppeted droids. There's like a Grievous one. And there's something else. Somebody's going to have a black like, you know, theater suit yep. with a droid on the front yep. with Grogu. And they're going to be running that thing. It's going to be at a con. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. 
All right. My, my favorite moment, like I'm, I'm going to be similar to Nick here where like something that got like the biggest reaction out of me, the most visceral reaction, I could not stop laughing, literally laughing out loud, not LOL typed when you're not actually laughing out loud, like everyone does. And it's awkward as hell. And I hate it. I could not stop laughing with the yes, 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 yes. Button. <laughs> Grogu driving. It was just like such a spot on little kid thing. And it, it triggered so many memories of so many little things, other movies, TV shows, characters, you know, kid movie stuff. And I couldn't put my finger on specifically what it was other than the LG thing, but God, it was funny. It was so, and, and it wasn't like stupid, corny, funny. It was perfect star Wars humor in the context I thought. And then something we didn't talk about enough, Grogu breaking up the fight between Axe and Paz Vizsla with the no, no, no. The way he came in and strong-armed them with the droid. Dude, it choked me up. Like, that was really good. It it was a Jedi moment. Yeah, 100%. It was. And, you know, and the line says as much from from Din when Bo says... He didn't learn that from me. Yeah. God, man, that was really good. It's a little thing, and it... Yeah, there's a little bit of, like you know, warm and fuzzy kind of like Hallmark movie cheese to it. But God, it was good. And it really got me in the heart. And the second quote I I would say that I put right up there is Mandalore. Like I mentioned earlier, Mandalore has always been too powerful for any enemy to defeat. It's always our own division that destroys us. Like the, the meta commentary on humans there is just so resonant with me. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. And then scene-wise, I mean, dude, pick a fight scene out of this whole thing. They were all so top-notch. Yeah. But I will give it to, same scene you referenced, the final fight, Paz Vizsla's death, because most importantly for the fact that I never would have expected myself to have such an emotional reaction mm-hmm. to that dude going down. He's always been kind of just like a, you know, just like a big burly kind of whatever antagonist for for it's like wrecker but not funny exactly that's exactly what i was thinking so i didn't expect to like actually choke up when that dude went down and it's not just because he was dying it's because of how he did it like the message he sent yeah think about his kid you know <laughs> it's like, like ho- you know, what's gonna happen with that character now it's great uh, i was gonna make a reference that you're not gonna get so i'm just not gonna do it okay <laughs> but if you're out there hold the door hold the door <sighs> you'll know and then the uh you know, the fact that it had the Praetorian guards in that scene too. I was, it was just like firing on all these different parts of my brain. It was yes, 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 yes. I was Grogu in the suit saying yes, 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 yes. The yeah. whole time, it, it, man, the setting, the characters, the message, the, the sacrifice of a character, which is always necessary, you know, for, for the stakes of a story to really mean anything. It had all of it. That scene had all of it for me. So that's, that's gotta be the winner. All right, let's wrap it up. We're going to talk a little bit more with the patrons after we're actually, we're going to take that great discussion we had that I'm sorry you missed general listener. We're going to put that in there. We're going to talk a little bit more in the post show with the patrons. Patreon.com slash thank the maker pod is where you can go. If you want to watch that, you can listen to it and not look at the screen if you want, but it's a video thing. And you also get the full untainted by ads video version at patreon.com slash thank the maker pod patrons. We love you so much and appreciate you. We love talking through these things with you. The, the Discord's great. I love our little community. Makes me happy. Let's see. Um, not much else other than the fact that you should listen to and watch Princess and Scoundrel and Armor Party Podcast. You can find them tagged on literally every post that we make on Instagram. Follow them on socials. Watch and listen to their podcasts. Mike has a new episode out. Uh, just, he just dropped one pretty recently. He's got some great guests. And Armor Party's a great podcast about costuming. If you're into that, Princess and Scoundrel is a great podcast about Disney Park going. Get involved and get Mosh Eisley tickets at MoshEisley.com. That is the weekend of San Diego Comic-Con, July 21st. Tickets are on sale. It's going to be the best party you've ever been to. Follow me on social media at Adam the Skull. Follow Ryan at William Ryan Key. Follow Nick at Nick Bayside. Love you, dudes. Love you guys. Bye, everyone. Until next week, may the force be with you. If you enjoy Thank the Maker, you can support us by following and leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. 
Or you can support us directly at patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod, where you can get access to our Discord server, exclusive content, exclusive merch, our recording live stream, and more. Our patrons quite literally make Thank the Maker possible. <laughs>